Hello, this is Jane Sigford, convener of the podcast, Views and Voice Above the Noise, hosted by MASA, Minnesota Association of School Administrators. Now that the holidays are over and food is getting back to normal, the decorations are put away, and life is relatively normal, it's time to get back to some good thinking. Today we will hear Kay Nelson, Assistant Superintendent, and Brenda Steve, Principal of the High School in Sartell St. Stephen School District in Central Minnesota. They are completing construction on a new high school. We often talk about how high school should change to meet the needs of the 21st century student and graduates. Sartell St. Stephen is doing that utilizing the opportunity of construction to change the physical space to accommodate and precipitate changes in learning and instruction. The podcast will feature the high school principal, Brenda, and the assistant superintendent, Kay, as they talk about their change in philosophy, rationale, the process, to creating a true 21st century learning environment. One of their resources was the book, The Third Teacher, which was created by an international team of designers and architects. One of the opening quotes describes the rationale very well. It says, United in the conviction that environment is our children's third teacher, we can begin anew a vital mission, designing today's schools for tomorrow's world. Sartell St. Stephen building committees have considered all of the ingredients in the eight chapters of this resource. The eight chapters are basic needs, minds at work, bodies in motion, community connections, sustainable schools, realm of the senses, learning for all, and rewired learning. You will hear from Brenda and Kay the various stages they've gone through. You will hear about the process they've done, the community involvement that's been a part of this, the work with teachers, the work with community, and the student committees that have had input into designing and shaping this new building. You will hear three voices, Brenda's, Kay's, and mine a little. This was a project that engage so many voices, it's appropriate that the podcast, too, has more than one voice. This is truly exciting to hear, and I hope you think so as well. Our voters approved the building of a new high school. That really got us thinking about, like, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really transform what we're doing and to build spaces that support what we know kids need to do in terms of um, their four C's and all all of those important things. And so in conjunction with our tech firm, which is Cunningham, they were just really instrumental in pushing us to think differently. Really, we just took the opportunity and, and ran, and we started with lots of book studies and reading, exploring, doing lots of site visits, and really thinking about the best way that we can build for the future of the district. So, so what are some things that you're doing differently in your new building. One of the the primary differences is not building spaces specific to a class necessarily, but making sure that space is flexible so that we can provide lots of different opportunities for kids in all content areas, which means from a teacher point of view that they won't have their own classroom necessarily. So they'll, they will, they'll be moving depending upon what they're teaching. That was uh, not a hurdle, but it was it was conversation that we had to to move through, 
and, and talk a lot about. And I, I think we're in a really good place with that. But one of the things that the Cunningham group, I think did so masterfully was at our initial programming meetings with our staff, ask them, what do you want kids to be able to do? And we didn't hear ever that we want them to be able to sit and get information from me. As they were designing space, they built in what they heard from those listening sessions from those programming meetings and, and things they heard were, we want kids to be able to create and make and get dirty and collaborate and create. And all of that looks a, a little different depending upon the, the content area. But we have a flex lab or a messy lab in each of our learning neighborhoods, actually two of them, so that if somebody wants to have their kids create I don't know, whatever it is, be it a menu, food, just some things with their hands, they have a space to do that. And it spills out into a learning commons in each learning neighborhood so that kids have furniture out there to support working in small groups and, and work collaboratively in those groups. We've got some smaller sized group rooms too for kids to work together if you walk through the halls of our building right now, you'd see a lot of that anyway, but they're sitting on the floor. So some of this, our teachers have already been transforming the way they're, they're teaching our kids, but we're really excited about that. And then we want to offer some more career-based opportunities for kids so that they can practice what they're learning in school in a real setting. So our tech ed area has... It is really different. We have an automotive building, which will be sort of like pulling up to, I want to say quick trip, but that's not oh, it. Like rapid oil change okay. or something like that. Got it. Um, and that's actually what the building is going to look like. So we're excited about that. And, and we've got some unique programs that I think are going to go on in that space, but it's a short distance from our building, a very quick walk. Our fabrications lab is designed to go through the manufacturing process, so design, process, build. And so that space is designed with that in mind. Our construction lab is built at the behind our performing arts center behind the stage so that our kids can create the sets and design the sets. But also the fabrications lab is big enough to be able to potentially do some larger construction projects and hopefully a Habitat for Humanity home on a big construction pad that we have out there. We're hoping to offer a certified nursing assistant program, some health career internship opportunities for kids. We already do that with a sports medicine class with the orthopedic center where kids are following physical therapists and surgeons for an extended period of time. We're hoping to do the same thing on the business side of the world with some business internship opportunities as sort of a capstone course for all of our business classes. So they would actually do a, they would study some businesses in the local area and then write an internship proposal to those businesses and then get out of our building and actually be able to experience what that's like for two reasons. One, I want to be a physical therapist until I do it and then find out I don't want to. So it, it can be very informative from both sides of that. Plus they learn all those soft skills that they need to be employable. The building is flexible, I think, enough to provide all those opportunities to kids. So how many labs do you have then? Six plus science. 
So we've got... So you've got... I mean, I'm counting fabrication lab and those kinds of things. Ah, well, yeah. we have more than mm-hmm. that. We, we don't have a traditional media center, which is a shift in thinking. And we're because our labs are going to be able to really cater to, again, that real-life experiential learning. So one of our labs is more like a business center, if you imagine mm-hmm. walking into an Apple store, or that kind of view. We have a visual studio, so that'll be a professional... Video editing. Video editing, so it'll have the green screen. We have a sound, small sound lab where kids will just be able to go in and record audio or they're getting ready for contests or... They can sing. They can, yeah. Practice speeches. Mm -hmm. We have a visual lab that has actually a separate viewing area so kids can critique each other's work up on a big screen. That'll be used for, again, some of the video production cartography if we can get into that we actually have a black box theater which will be a great presentation space and can be used for astronomy or some of those courses the design lab we have a design lab and that's that's in conjunction with our visual arts and our career tech and so they're looking at doing some collaboration like metal arts sculpture one of the things we've been thinking about is you know how to get more females into some of our CTE programming, and so they're really working together to try to think about how they can expose kids to to both sides of of that world. Then we have a culinary lab that is actually... Lots of high schools have a traditional stainless steel culinary lab. We, on some site visits, saw some specialty labs in a few high schools, and we've seen it at lots of technical colleges as well. So our culinary space is actually two, will serve two purposes. One is for all the introductory culinary classes that we offer and is, is, is set up similar to any culinary lab that you would see. But then the other side of that is actually set for us to do some catering. So there's larger food service type equipment. It's adjacent to the black box. So we can cook in both of those two spaces and then serve in the black box if we choose to or and it's right off the commons so we could serve in the commons as well we won't move in with that programming but that's where we hope to to move to Kay mentioned the four c's that they consider when they're doing the planning the four c's are critical thinking creativity collaboration and communication you will see those themes replaying over and over throughout this podcast theme that you will hear running throughout this whole podcast is the consideration of future needs of students. This building wasn't designed just to meet the needs of the current high school population, but for the upcoming ones. I think the the potential for what we are going to do, we won't, it won't be fully realized in the first year that we're there. But that's sort of the point because we don't know what the needs of kids are going to be 10 years from now. And we want a space that we can grow with the changing needs of the world outside of our doors. We want to be able to meet the needs of our kids 25 years from now too, in this space. And I think it's designed to do that. And it's a credit, not to Kay and me. It's really a credit to the work that our teachers did along with our architects and thinking about not what stuff do I need, but thinking about what I want kids to be able to accomplish in those rooms. For example, 
this is this is just a, a, a unique way to do some science labs. We've got um, some specialty labs for science where we'll offer chemistry and physics and some of those high power, high chemical need classes. But they really wanted to have a space where students who either need some extra help or those that are really advanced can get together and collaborate. And if I've got a class here and a class here happening at the same time that maybe some from this class and some from this class can get together in the middle. So they actually have a small, well, it's not that small, but it's smaller than the classroom space that kids can actually collaborate and get some extra help too. And I've never seen that done in that way. Part of the thinking of the leaders of this school district it isn't just about a four-year college and automatically assuming that one will get a job. One of the things Sartell St. Stephen is doing is offering certification programs in various areas where students learn and demonstrate practical skills. The certificates demonstrate a proficiency in entry-level skills in various careers, which may offer entry points to varying career paths. Right now, we do that in our auto program. For our kids to, to achieve that, they actually have to go over to Apollo High School to a lab that is there. So they're driving. They spend half the day there. Actually, we just had a student, I have to tell you this, I need to get you this information, who is going, uh, just won the skills competition for auto for the state of Minnesota and is going on to the national competition, which is fantastic. But we'd love to bring that program on site because it's mostly our kids that go over to Apollo, which our community is always amazed to hear because we have so many kids who go on to post-secondary education and we've got lots of kids who are interested in four-year schools, but we also have a number of our students who community uh, career and technical college is exactly right for them. And our auto program is thriving. Another theme that you will hear recurring throughout this discussion is the involvement of the community. Sartell St. Stephen recognized that for the success of the programs and to meet the needs of students and business owners, it was imperative to involve the business community and the parents in discussions about the plan for the school, how things are going to be, the flexibility necessary, and involve them and ask for their advice repeatedly. Another thing that we did early on is we know if kids are going to have experiential learning, we have to have community partners. And so we we actually had a, a partnership meeting just to kind of share our vision. And we had um, probably 40 or 50 mm -hmm. different entities, everything from businesses to medical to manufacturing to manufacturing. Come and we weren't just asking for dollars because we know we want we want to know what they see the need of people coming into their industry that has spurned some great relationships. Actually, we just met with one of the local long-term care facilities on our CNA program, and they would like to partner with us, and they would actually hire our students right there, and so their kids are getting both their certification. Plus, they're going to actually be able to be employed. And, you know, who knows what doors that will open for them, as, whether they stay in that type of facility or move into a different type of health career. 
What Kay and Brenda heard repeatedly from these meetings with business owners is that students don't come to them with the soft skills necessary to be successful in a job. Schools overall hear that repeatedly from business owners around the state. So the administration and the planning committee really wanted to address the need for teaching those soft skills. And they listened and they heard and are trying to address that need in various curricular areas and also at various grade levels. We also are looking to our local businesses to determine what skills our kids need when they're coming out of our business program. When you're, when, so, so we invited some of the business owners um, or CEOs or just people who are in HR to come to a meeting with our business teachers. And they were, our business teachers really wanted to know what skills do kids need when you hire them. And it was an eye-opening conversation for Kay and me. I don't know if it was so much for business teachers, but the skills that they need really are all those soft skills. How do we provide those experiences? And I know that we have business leaders who want to come into our schools and and share with our kids about what it's like to work and and how you can better prepare yourself. We also know that kids are not well-versed in putting together a resume or interviewing. And so in our Sabre advisories that meet once a week, we are building in those opportunities for our seniors this year. So we're actually going to have some in April and May, have some business leaders come in and conduct interviews for kids so that they can see what that process is like. And we're going to do some resume writing that's more significant than anything they've ever done before. Because you can't put an R for the word our or R. You have to, you just, you can't do it. You need to actually write it out. And I just think kids don't understand that an error in a resume can be a reason why somebody won't even consider you for a position. I think you have to give them opportunities to actually work so that you can practice those skills. Otherwise, it's artificial. So we are, we have some opportunities built within our school day. We have a school store and we're going to have a coffee shop that will be student. The whole menu will be student designed. We actually have a class coming up this this spring, students will actually design the menu for the coffee shop and marketing materials for the school store and decide what we're going to sell in the school store. But from that population of students, we're going to hire student managers and then student workers, and they'll decide what hours we're going to be open. It's a, it's a shift in thinking for all of us around that, but if they don't have a chance to work then we can never practice those soft skills. And that's why building in opportunities for internships and volunteer opportunities for kids is really key, and getting them out in the community is is really key. Teaching soft skills also include how a person dresses and how they present themselves. That's one of the most eye-opening conversations that our teachers have with students and that are from our sports medicine perspective. I listened one time when our physical therapist from the orthopedic center, St. Cloud Orthopedic, came in and talked about you are not dressing appropriately when you are going to these visits. You can't wear 
beep, 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 and beep. And even for the, the capstone project for that class is that the students put together a presentation, like a patient case study, similar to what a resident would do at the orthopedic center, and then they present it to a panel from the orthopedic center, so uh, medical professionals. They talk about this is how you dress, and they practice this so many times, and they're significantly critiqued around this was not good. You said, um, this many times because they're presenting not to their teacher, the stakes are just higher. And, and the more we can build in those opportunities for kids, the more real practicing those soft skills become. Another feature of teaching soft skills is the opportunities for students to learn and then present their knowledge and receive feedback on the quality of their presentation. As we know, public speaking is one of the things that people fear the most, and students receive the opportunity to do that in a safe environment, demonstrating skills that they have acquired. When those kids present, they're presenting to a panel of professionals, and they get feedback. Yes. Are they graded on that presentation? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are. are it, it is... Well organized. Yes, and it is timed, so they have to be within the time limit. They need to find video. Most of the time they see knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries, back surgeries, and they have to be able to explain the surgery using a video that they find on YouTube or somewhere. They have to be well-versed in what that looks like, and the questions that are asked from the panel really delves into, did you understand what was going on? They really are on the spot. They do just a tremendous job, number one, because the stakes are so high. Does every senior have to do some sort of a presentation like that, whether that, they're in business or whatever? They do um, in our English 12 class. They build a capstone project, not to a panel of outside people, but that's where I think our English team would like to take that. So every senior does do that. And then in addition, our ninth graders in our human geography class do a project called a Kiva project. I don't know if you're familiar with Kiva. They look at microgrants and students choose a microgrant that they would like to provide money, financial support too. And the St. Cloud Federal Credit Union folks actually brought this to our teachers and they have set aside a pot of money at the credit union so that kids who are selected after, based on their presentations, they then get to award money to these mini grant people for through Kiva, which is fantastic. And those presentations for ninth graders are outstanding. Those are presented to a panel of uh, folks from the St. Cloud Federal Credit Union. They ask questions that are pretty significant in terms of, do you understand what the needs are and is this really something that's sustainable because that's what they want and will the person be able to pay the money back? They're supposed to be able to pay them back so that the fund continues, but it's a that, that is just a, an amazing project for our ninth graders. So they start that with ninth graders and then they end with that capstone project. Every student in, in our English class, but other students get additional opportunities. Teachers were involved in the process, the community was involved in process, and very importantly, the students were very involved in the process. We had uh, subgroups that met with our architect team based on content area or need. And then we had a student group that met with them as well from the beginning of the project. Initially, were awed 
at the possibilities and really stuck to here's how we do it here. Now as they've seen what it's really going to look like and they've seen some of the renderings that the architects have done about what the actual space looks like, they are getting incredibly excited. And we want them to take ownership in that building. We want them to determine some norms for how they as students are going to operate in that space because with some of the furniture choices, there's a lot of responsibility. We have seen the need that we have for them to have some flexible seating situations and some comfortable furniture. And they actually got to test out and give feedback on what kind of furniture in the learning studios, but also in our learning commons areas. But with that comes some responsibility too. We want them to help us determine that. We want them to be ambassadors to the community about what the space is like, but also what our program is all about. So we're meeting with them on some of those things. We want them to help us plan open house and help determine how we're going to divide where our lockers are located and what the, we want the map to look like. How do you want to showcase the building? And that is really going to be student-led. So Kay and I, along with um, two of our teachers and our assistant principals, have been meeting with a student group almost from the beginning. So are you incorporating a wide variety of students? It's not just your honor society and Correct. student council kids? Mm -hmm. We opened it to anybody who wanted to, yeah. to be part of it. Well, Chris, maybe. But he said... I'm here because I love the theater, and I want to make sure that this school celebrates theater. That was Good his first him. statement. It was just like, that is so great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, we have athletes, and we have male, uh, females. Yeah, really, it's a really great, diverse group, and I think that's why they've been so strong. They've helped with naming the learning neighborhoods, naming some of the special spaces, colors, the colors, the themes in throughout the building. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's pretty neat. What are some of the names they've come up with? So we have three learning neighborhoods and we really wanted the space to reflect the Sartell St. Stephen community. And so one is called the Watab and the Watab is a Creek, a river that flows into the Mississippi Creek. <laughs> Sorry, I've been reading my Sartell history. So, but it's been a source of recreation and industry, and so that's one. And then in each of our learning neighborhoods, there's kind of like a pop-out specialty room that overlooks, and so that one is called the River Dock to reflect um, our geography. Then we have one learning neighborhood is called the Meadow, and in way back when, where our, right where our current high school is, there was a a farmer, a cattleman who bred the finest shorthorn cattle in the United States, and so it was known all over the world about his shorthorn cattle, so we named, and the, the name of that farm was Meadow Lawn, so the kids named that Meadow, and then the specialty room in that is the Hayloft, to reflect our ag culture, and then we also have a lot of white pine and pine forest in this area, so the third neighborhood is called the Pines. That one reflects kind of some of the use of lumber because we had a huge mill here for a long, long time, probably over a hundred years. The specialty room is the treehouse. Oh the treehouse, yes. So and that was that was great fun. And then at the coffee shop will be called the mill. Kind of a play and word. When I asked Kay and Brenda about the physical plant, Kay started out by describing what a learning neighborhood was and then Brenda was able to put some slides up and she was able to show me what the plant looks like right now. It's exciting to see how those ideas have become brick and mortar. 
I'm sorry this podcast is only audio because the structure itself was very inviting and exciting. Yeah. So what is the learning community? So each, so we have those, I guess, if you thought in the traditional sense, it would be where your classrooms are, the oh. general learning. And so the concept of the school is there's kind of like things, and those are our general learning areas, but it's connected with literal bridges to our specialty areas. So the core, the commons is the, the heartbeat of the school. And off of that commons is our CTE, which has great visibility. That's where the black box is. That's where our culinary lab is. Science goes over the top of those. And then performing arts and then our athletics. Everything is connected. The learning neighborhoods are kind of where you might have some of, more of your traditional type classes. And then that's connected to those specialty areas. So people could start out in their learning neighborhoods and then during the class they might get some instruction, they might disperse into something else. Correct, yes. So when you enter the new building, you will be into the commons, correct? Yes, correct. And what's that look like? Is it glass, windows? We can show you. You have to describe it because this is a lot. When people enter the building, they'll be entering the commons, and there is lots of different types of seating in our commons because our students wanted different heights. They wanted different numbers of chairs at diff- at tables some of them are booths some that seat 4 some seat up to 12 and some are short some are tall There's, that was very 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 important to our students but we know that our community will also be spending time in this space at, if they are at intermission from a performance they can hang out in this area this will be the staging area for all of our events as well in our gym. If you see the, the young man there in the red sweatshirt, our, our gym is off the commons as well. So our concessions area is here. So I envision our community spending a lot of time here as well. And one of the things that when you walk in the building, we wanted students to be surrounded by books. So you can actually see we have a, we have a library on the learning stair and also on the other side as well. And in all of our learning neighborhoods, we have libraries that are in the the learning commons. And then we also have some libraries that are in our some of our classrooms as well. So that students, if they want to pick up a book and read, they can do that. But if a community member wants to, they can as well. We that, wanted to kind of embrace that, the little free library mm-hmm. concept, where kids are just surrounded by books. Mm-hmm. Because right now, if you go into our media center... They're not in there to read. We want, you know, kind of that Barnes and Noble where I can just grab a book mm-hmm. and check it out. and So they could have a cup of coffee and sit there and read. Yes, Correct. they could. Science is actually in, in the bridge that goes across. Mm-hmm. It is a bridge, but it's also... It's also a figurative reference because we've got general learning that happens in our learning neighborhoods, and then science is the bridge to the more technical learning that's happening in some of the spaces that are on the lower level. When you walk in the door, if you turned in a circle in this building, you could see performing arts. You can see our one of our CTE areas. You can see our culinary lab. You can see our learning neighborhoods. You can see science. And the key is to help learning come alive and to help students not be afraid of trying some, some different things. As eighth graders, they take a career interest inventory 
And then I don't know that they actually take classes that support what's really in their interest, but being able to see that will help them. Some of our spaces and the CTE design lab in particular, when our teachers get there in the morning, they will open a sliding door and that will stay open during the day so that students can take a peek in and see what's going on in that space. But they'll also be able to move things out into the commons and, and have students see what's going on. We'll have things happening on our learning stair. We hope students can perform during lunch if that's what they want to do. We hope our classes come out there and, and perform and present on the learning stair so that people can see what's going on. I think the other thing that we wanted to be able to do in the space is showcase student work too. Okay. So there are there oh, are places and and we have this in our in our here. high school now. It, lots of student designed artwork and projects and we want to be able to showcase the work that they're doing from a CTE perspective, but also art perspective as well. And not just the physical work that they do, but the project, but also be able to see the process that goes into that and give our musicians an opportunity to showcase some of their work as well, or our actors, kids in speech. Well, that was kind of one of our early impetuses. We want this place to be the place where they want to be, that they want to hang out and make it inviting and this process has taken several years in the planning. I asked Brenda what type of professional development she has provided the staff over time. We don't, we don't have a traditional curriculum cycle where every year, every seven years we review and, and then it's that way for seven years. If they have a need, we get them together and, and we update our curriculum as the needs of the world, uh, our student needs have evolved over time. In a four-period day with a 90-minute class, you cannot stand and deliver for 90 minutes. So the, the teaching style that you will see in our, uh, our high school is very interactive with kids already. But I would say you've also done book studies. We have. With, uh, having staff really with a lot of Hattie stuff to this child. Mm-hmm. You know, what's effective and what does that look like? And what are you doing in your classroom mm-hmm. that's working can I? They have a collaborative time um, built into their schedule every week, so it's just a net. That is all staff development. I mean, that provides mm-hmm. them the opportunity. And Brenda has done. You've set expectations and um, supported your teachers in providing the best instructional practices. Just a few of the things that have happened in professional development that Brenda didn't specifically mention are the site visits they've been on, the book studies, including The Third Teacher, Leading to Learn, works by John Hattie and others, attendance at conferences on grading practices, and power standards. Those are just a few of the things that have happened in the last few years. Brenda and Kay reflected on the whole process that they have undergone. They even talked about some of the turmoil for administration and leaders it was a lot of hard, good work. I mean, there were tears. I shed some, too. Um, and Did you lose some sleep? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And $89 million is a lot of money. The community has trusted us to, to be good stewards of that money from a... But I think they also want us to do what's the best for kids. The district, because of, I think, Cunningham group started this process with a community schools planning group 
which was very well attended, 60 to 100 people at every meeting that we had. We looked at collectively what is education of the future. They, they shared with us some schools from other countries, from other parts of, of the United States, other parts of the world, and also looked at why was the school designed to focus on this particular skill or, or these particular attributes? That then allowed that group to think about what do we want for the students of Sartell St. Stephen and therefore what should, how should our schools be designed, which has helped us steer the ship, if you will, because the community wants and knows that um, education the way that I had it a long time ago is not what students need. And this space, we, we've been transforming all along. This space will allow us to do some things that we never thought we'd be able to do and will take us into the future. We talked a lot about we make it work in our current building, and we really do, and it's a credit and a testament to the teachers that we have working there. Our professionals are just absolutely outstanding and do what's best for kids every day. This will only enhance what they're doing. But they, too, thought about things. They trusted the process, I have to say. When we had those programming meetings, they shared their hopes and dreams, and they would draw pictures of things that I was like, I'm talking about our teachers now. Our media center concept actually came from a presentation that our instructional technology specialists at the high school put together and gave to our architects. And so our design lab and our visual lab, our cloud lab, dispersing the media center throughout the building, distributing that, came from the work that they did. The architects used a lot of these ideas of we want it to be a breezeway into the learning neighborhood so that everybody passes by that so it's very out there and very visible and everybody can use it. And I think it was more about facilitating their thought process and facilitating the conversation and coming back to what do you want to be able to do? Not what do you want to have, but what do you want to be able to do with kids? What do you think they need? The conversation always got redirected to that. And then the people that we worked with from Cunningham Group, in particular, um, Haley Rassman and Tyler Whitehead, were so great at asking good questions about what do you want to be able to do? They listened asked such great probing questions of teachers and then would come back with a space that was designed to meet needs. And if it didn't, they listened and asked questions of staff and then redesigned it. Wow. So that process was amazing. But it started with that community schools planning group. One of the big changes that aroused people's interest is the changing of a media center. What have you done with that? I, we've had a lot of questions about why the media center. You don't want books. But we did a, quite a few community tours this fall and talked about that and showed. Then it was like, oh, I, you know, I get it. They understand. And we've been quite, I mean, we've been questioned. We, sh we should be questioned. Right. You know, we're doing something different and people want to understand that. So. How have the needs for special ed students been accommodated in your planning? We, just like we had programming meetings with every area, we had a programming meeting for our special education team as well, and they had some very specific needs 
They wanted to be able to have access from close access from the bus drop off for safety of students. So the location in their in the building for our higher needs special education students is very close to that entry point for students. They also wanted to be able to have students exit the building from their classroom if needed. And so they're going to be able to exit onto an outdoor learning commons as well with lots of walking paths for them. We have a sensory room built in and a quiet room built into that space along with an apartment, mini apartment set up so that they can practice those transitional skills and independent living skills. We have a Saver Connections Lab currently in our building, and we will have that built into our new space as well, which is a number of different stations where students can practice on-the-job skills, like they can practice making a sandwich from Subway, for example. And we have, with our special ed team, already developed some partnerships within the community, and we're hoping to expand those. So we have students right now that go and volunteer in a work setting at the Veterans Administration Hospital in St. Cloud. They go to Centric Care Hospital and work. They go to Fitness Evolution, and we have a fantastic partnership with them and also with Coburn's. So students rotate right now through the different departments at Coburn's. We have had a number of students that have been hired post-graduation and are still working there full-time. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So it's outstanding. So do you have a setting four in this building? We have a setting four across the street, but we hope to really most of those students, if we had space in our building, could be in a setting three, in a level three program. So we have a level three space that's built into that program as well. That space will be the the home, the hub for, for those students, but they need to be able to move and they need to be able to run, and they need to be able to spread out and, and walk. And so they'll have access to all of the areas in our building, which I think will enhance that program. And then we have the teacher in that program has helped pick out some very specific furniture to be in that space. In addition, we have a school within a school called SAIL, which stands for Sartell Area Incentive Learning. That is for students who are in a in credit jeopardy so it's a credit recovery type of program and our teacher there had some really specific needs for kids so that if they're working on online curriculum they can do it outside of the classroom but he can still monitor them so there's a genius bar right outside of those classrooms and then we have really specific furniture that the kids helped choose and the teacher for those spaces as so well. it's almost like an alternative learning it center is with it's a school within a school right what are the next steps as you think about moving into the new facility? This is where my head gets a little scattered. There is the physical part of moving, which is an adventure, right? We're not moving furniture because the furniture will be, for the most part, new in that space. But we will be moving a lot of the equipment over and teacher supplies and teacher materials Organizing that has in my own head, and then <laughs> the way I think about things, it's going to work out just fine. But explaining it to teachers has been a challenge because I think about it maybe a little bit differently. But I think we have a good process with that, and we're building in time for teachers to pack. We already have boxes at the building, labels that they can put on their box that will help our custodians navigate the new space and get everything to the correct location. I have a number of teachers who've started to pack already. We've had a few purge cycles of if you haven't looked at it in 10 years, 
look at it and then decide if maybe you don't need it. And we're going to go through that again. We've had chemicals that we moved over from our current middle school when we moved to the high school that we probably shouldn't have moved. We moved them in a truck. You can't do that anymore, but we've had some chemical purging and some of our equipment we're, we're preparing for a sale of obsolete equipment in our CTE area that we've had for its original to the district. And it's just, it's got a place somewhere, but it's not in, we don't see that in our future of our, our tech ed program. That is definitely on the docket. We're registering students for classes moving forward in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. With our ninth graders, we would we would like to be able to chat with them about their career interest inventory that they do in eighth grade and tie it to some career clusters so that they understand. I don't think they understand that if their career interest shows you are really interested in graphic design. I don't think they get from the way we currently have all of our information laid out that you should probably take some art classes and a computer class because we call it business and art, not graphic design. So we've got to provide a, an opportunity for students to see that this is a tie to this career on the career wheel cluster. I'm currently working on that, and, and we'd like to roll that out with our ninth graders as they register for classes this year. We are using our professional development time in January, we're going to start because it's the end of a semester for us. So I just told them today in January, I am cooking them breakfast and we're going to do a little staff collaboration because I like to do that. And then we're going to work on some power standards in line with standards-based instruction assessment and reporting. Take the next step there for a short period of time. But then the rest of the day is really about packing, purging, and organizing. Then we have an in-service professional development day in April. That, for us, will be all about packing and organizing. The last day of our semester every year, we have a final schedule built in. We have a half day with kids, and then our staff has a, a half day to grade the finals. Then we have, at the end of the year, a half of a day. And so my hope would be that we're packed and we're putting things on the pallets on that very last day, we shrink wrap it, we bring it out to the site. Our custodians then will move it into the space according to my crazy map that I have. And then they'll cut the shrink wrap and move the boxes into the space that it needs to be. And then next fall, aside from a few meetings, it will be about unpacking for our staff. It's four days. But if they want to get into the building August 1st or after, we'll be prepared for them to do so. With all the work that's been done and the time it's taken for this process, the anticipation and the excitement is building. Personally grown, mm -hmm. personally and professionally through all of it, the good and the, the challenging yeah. and all of that. Makes you it's been so fun to have, some of our teachers have been on the site tours, and mm -hmm. to have them walk through the space and just say, I cannot wait. We weren't there when we started. I... I not if we had 50% that were excited about it, I think the rest were like, Oh crap, we have to move. <laughs> and it, you know, there's a little pushing on what are, I think there's been some uncomfortableness at times and for me as well. And I think that helps you grow professionally, but overall people are really excited about the process. There's still people who would wish that we weren't moving and that we were doing everything the same way that we always have. And 
and that's okay. We had our CTE, two of our CTE staff out in the fab lab space to lay out their equipment and their space is not all together a credit to them. It's spread out. We've got an auto building. We've got construction in a different spot, and we have our metals, essentially, in another spot. And they were in the spaces and were like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. They were just overwhelmed by the scale, by the usability of the space, and are tremendously excited about that. And that was that was growing pains for them, too probably for them the most of anyone because it's so different than what it looked like. So they would, they would take the plan and they'd up, up the square footage and say, we're, we are 700 square feet smaller than we are in this building. But they forgot to add up some of the other spaces that we have, like the visual lab. And so we're just doing it a little bit differently. So why did Sartell St. Stephen invest in all this time to do something so different? And Brenda's answer is profound. There's opportunities to do so many things that we haven't really dreamed of before. But if you walk through the halls of our high school today, you would see a lot of what we're talking about happening right now. It's happening in spite of the space. So this space will afford us some comfort for kids working collaboratively. What's going to be the most different is there's endless possibilities around what we can do and everything will be more visible. So I think we'll see students taking more risks in terms of classes instead of maybe I know that my friend took this and so these are the things I'm going to take because right now our classrooms, you can't see inside of them unless they have the door open and we're very spread out and here kids are going to see what's happening and I think they'll become excited about what's happening across the building. Brenda's words are a wonderful message to close with. Thanks to Brenda and Kay for sharing. This is Jane Sigford signing off. My email is jlsigford at comcast.net. Thanks for listening.